The best of a gluten-free gravy is really, really, really simple to make. You just need a little bit of time. Make it in large batches and then you have your own purpose-made, gluten-free, onion-free, garlic-free, whatever free you want. And you're going to need one secret ingredient. This is Angela from Gluten-Free Angela. And today I'm going to share how I have been making my gluten-free gravy for years and years and years. And I've been compelled to do today's recipe podcast because I see so many people saying, oh, have you got a, a gravy? Are there any granules that you can use? What do you use? And honestly, I want to say to you, implore you, please, please, please do not bother with those things in a jar that you just add boiling water to. It's really, really, really not good stuff. Who knows what's in there? It's pro probably not more E numbers in there than anything else you've ever known. So in our world... Sometimes we just have to think, right, I've got a few hours. I am going to make gravy for the next few months. And I tell you what I do. I store these blinking things. I don't care whether it's like the, the plastic Ziploc bags that you want to have. Or for me, I get a lot of yogurts, the Greek yogurt in the pots. And I use those pots to put things in. Um, I've got two in the fridge at the moment that I'm marinating a curry in. And so once you put spices in there, you have to just reuse them with spice. But that's what I use them for. And they are great for storing pots of either stock or gravy in. So let's get on with it, shall we? Uh, so please, 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 please have a go at this recipe. And you will see how easy it is. So the first of, first thing that you need to do is you need to go out to a supermarket. I get this from Morrison's, but it's called Compton's Gravy Salt. Okay, it's gluten-free. It's in a little packet. It's about It's been going for about 100 years. It's something that was created probably in the war. It's still going strong and it is fantastic. So what I want you to do is think about... Oh, every meal that you're going to have this week. What Do you want carrots with it? And this is what I do, right? We're going to start by boiling some carrots. And I love using carrots because the water becomes really, really sweetened. And there's so much taste in carrots as well. If you're not a carrot lover, but you love cabbage use cabbage instead. The one thing that I will say is after a couple of days, if you're using broccoli or cabbage, etc., it does have a smell to it. But hey, I love vegetables, so that's fine with me. So please, 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 when you think, oh, it smells a little bit, that's just the fragrance, the, the aroma of the broccoli water, the cabbage water, whatever you have. It doesn't really happen when you have carrot water. So what I tend to do is I'll get a couple of pounds of lovely carrots. I'll just peel them. I'll chop them into chunks. I'll put them in some boiling water <coughs> with a little bit of salt. And I will boil them until they're nice and soft. 
And then what I do is I take all of that out and, and I'm talking about, you know, a pint, a couple of pints of water at least. Sometimes I will do a vat of this stuff. And so I'll take the carrots out, put a little bit of butter over them because I still have butter. And then I'll put a little bit of nutmeg over the top, put foil over the top. And all I have to do then every time I want carrots with my meal for the next two or three days is I just put that. I, I normally put them in those, um, you know, the, the earthenware or the aluminium tins, whatever you've got. Put some foil over the top and then I pop it into the oven and it heats up in two or three minutes. Oh, no say five minutes but they're hot again <coughs> we just get that boiling water and then what we're going to do is you have to be a little bit careful I don't know how much water you have but I would say for about every mug of water you're looking at about half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of this salt this gravy salt now it's a hard block so you're going to have to chop it a little bit with a knife I find it easy to put it in a little tea teacup put a little bit of boiling water over the top so I can really make it into a little paste and then I add it to the water. I just keep on doing that until that gravy tastes like a nice flavoursome gravy. Okay, so you will you will keep on thinking that's a little bit watery, that's a little bit watery, and then suddenly it will just all come together. Remember, if you're roasting something, if you eat meat, and if you're roasting something like a chicken or some beef, or you know, you can then put that beautiful juice from the meat into that gravy as well but your gravy salt is going to to make it lovely and then what I do is when we've got that right level of yeah it, I can taste this gravy and and the vegetable water is what's going to really give it a flavor then what you do is you add a teaspoon of corn flour into a little teacup add a little bit of cold water so you mix it into a paste then what you're going to do is you're going to dunk that little teacup in into the hot water take some of the hot water with it and then mix it around then dunk it again and mix it around and what you're doing then is you're adding the hot water into the cold paste if you just put the cold paste into the vat of gravy you will get lumps but if you add some of the hot into the cold paste and mix it and mix it and mix it, then you will find that you can then just add it into the gravy and it will not go clumpy. So that's the little secret there. And you leave it to like bubble for a minute or two. Has it gone thick enough? Not quite. So then you'll add another teaspoon and then another teaspoon. Um, it depends how much is in your vat of gravy. And you'll keep on doing this. And suddenly it will go thick. And you'll think, wow, that's amazing. And it's thick enough to pour on. But before we say the gravy is finished, I do not have a dairy intolerance. So I can use milk. And what I tend to do is put about a tablespoon or so of milk 
into the gravy and it just makes it look a beautiful colour. It makes it look rich and thick and stuff like that rather than clear. And you can use a milk equivalent if you would like to just move it from being clear into being non-clear. So you just have a look at that. Anyway, that is my foolproof gravy. I use it all the time and I make large pots. Like I'll, I'll make a big, I've, I've got one of these big, you know, like a, it's like a frying pan, but it's a casserole pan with the lid on it and you can get quite a few points in there. I will make like one that's half filled and then I'll when it cools I'll put it into the pots put it in the freezer and I will just keep it and then the next time I go to make gravy I'll take one of these out of the freezer and add that because every time you're combining different um like carrot juice or some sort of parsnips in or something what you're doing is you keep making this beautiful stock so when you get to you know, at the end of the batches that you have in the freezer and you've just got one batch left. So now is the time to make some more and we're going to combine that. There's no issue with it because, you know, this has been frozen, it's still fresh, etc. And I will do that constantly. It's just lovely. And if you have something like you put chicken in because you've had the juices out of the chicken and you can use that, and then it's just incredible. And get your taste right, first of all. And then when you add whatever meat juices to it, oh my word, it just intensifies it. And then you can have pie with chips. You can have and gravy. You know, you've got ready-made gravy that you can rustle up with, you know, vegetables. Like I said, you know, I will make a huge, huge, huge amount of roast potatoes, roast parsnips and carrots <clears throat> on a Sunday. And then for the next two or three days, all I have to do is reheat the gravy, reheat the roast potatoes, reheat the roast parsnips, reheat the carrots. And then we may have a, a traditional thing back, you know, when I was young. I never enjoyed it when I was young, but now I do. We used to have cold meat, on a Monday night, this was Monday night tea in so many houses when I was young. So I used to have the remains of the Sunday dinner and um, meat and then you would have chips with it. Or, and, and I don't do the chips and gravy, but I will reheat the roasties. And it's just a lovely way at the beginning of the week of having a hearty meal. When we're not in summertime, in summer it's beautiful to have these salads and fret and fish and things like that. But in the winter and when it's cold, it's lovely to have hearty, warm stuff. And if you can just, you know, you've got some of the meat left or you've got some of your nut roast left, all you have to do is put something over the top, put it in the oven, heat it up and then reheat all of your roasties, reheat your carrots and your gravy you can have a meal on the table in a traditional oven within 20 minutes. How amazing is that? So everyone goes to work on a Monday or, you know, Monday is that day. And you come home and you can have that hearty meal with flavours and taste. And a lot of the time, what you know, I will make a pie. 
something like a corned beef, an onion pie or a steak pie or a chicken pie. And we will use the roasties and the vegetables. So at the beginning of the week, it looks as if, oh, wow, I'm creating these beautiful meals, but I made the pie probably on Friday or Saturday. The roasties were done on Sunday. And it's just lovely to be able to have these creative, beautiful, hearty meals at the beginning of the week. And then by the time we get to the middle of the week, I might think, do you know what? I'm going to make a, something like a beautiful soup. And we're going to have beautiful soup. And um, one of the favourite ones that I do is like a, um, whether it's a, a butternut squash or whether I'm using sweet potatoes, like a Thai beautiful soup. But this is all about gravy, isn't it? Gravy is just one of the most understated things in the world. And there are there are meals that I will have when it's heated roast potatoes, heated parsnips, heat reheated roasted sweet potatoes, carrots, bit of gravy and some horseradish sauce on that. That for me is the, one of the tastiest meals in the world. I don't need any meat. I don't need any meat replacements on there. That's all I need. And every day that you reheat that gravy, it gets thicker and thicker and thicker because every time you heat it some of some of it evaporates doesn't it and you will find around the outside of as it cools you'll see that there are sort of lines around your your pot that you, your saucepan that you've reheated it in make sure that you put those back into the gravy back into the pot and back into the fridge because this is taste so this is Angela. I've told you exactly how to make this gravy. Just make a vat of the stuff. Please, please, please. If you do this once a month, you will never, ever, ever have to buy those horrible, horrible things that I don't know what they taste of. The, the sensations are just gloopy, weird stuff. <clears throat> and if I go out for a gluten-free meal and they present that at the table it's just like I'm not putting that on my dinner I, I will have other things on my dinner thank you I will eat it dry rather than having that horrible stuff so this is I hope that I've inspired you to never have to give your money to one of those companies that try and put something in a jar or a or a bottle it, it's just crazy it's just crazy and at the moment you know people are saying it's four pounds or five pounds for one for one um tub of this gravy stuff that I'm sorry I've I don't think I've ever bought one in my life I haven't <coughs> and I've seen them in other people's cupboards they've never been in my cupboards it's just strange. Oh, and, and the other tip, do you know what? The other tip as well, I've forgotten all about this. Whenever I make Yorkshire puddings, and yeah, Yorkshire puddings with corn flour, that, that's the recipe to use. There's loads of them out on the internet or, or have a look at mine. And if you keep a little bit of your um, mixture, so make your Yorkshire puddings, but you know, I told you to put corn flour in. If you do the same and add some of the gravy, the hot mixture into that, the, the end little bit of your Yorkshire pudding mix and mix it round and then add some more of the hot gravy to it and then more of the hot gravy to it. So you get 
all of it from the edges and the bottom and then you pour that back into the gravy that will make it delicious and beautiful the only thing that I would say is there are eggs in the Yorkshire pudding mixture so if you can't have eggs then I'm sorry but it is delicious so corn flour is our best friend gravy salt is our best friend and whatever you boil your vegetables in you keep that stock you keep that as stock for the gravy honestly you will never go back you will you will be looking for meals to have with gravy you will be looking for pie fillings to put with the gravy you'll be looking for making chips <coughs> just so you can have that gravy and you will never, ever, ever fear a Sunday dinner again in your roast potatoes, the meat, all of the vegetables. The only thing that you need an equivalent for, and you will find them in my book, possibly on my website. You will find them. You can make cauliflower cheese. We just replace, not with flour, but with corn flour when we're making the sauce. You don't even have to do a roux with this. Um, just get <coughs> ready to put in lots and lots and lots of cheese. Yes, you do need a different recipe for the gluten-free Yorkshires and gluten-free Yorkshires, don't ever fear them. My recipe's there, okay? I got it from a friend. I know there's so many people out there who are gluten-free um, recipe creators who use this. I think it must have been passed to everyone in the dim and distant past. Um, and once I've been given this recipe, I then noticed it. So many people in gluten-free world use this recipe. It's amazing. Um, so well done to all you people who are doing everything that you can to help gluten-free people bake amazing things and create beautiful dishes. And I don't ever want you to fear making gravy again. Try this. Honestly, you'll be amazed when you when you taste this gravy. You will wonder why on earth you ever, ever, ever had one of those things in a tub or a jar. It's really, really good. So let me know how your gluten-free gravy went. Just go out, get your Compton's gravy salt you'll find it's the tiniest little box. It's like, it's sort of like a big um, matchbox. I always buy two or three at a time. I think it's about a pound. And that will do you, that that would do you a vat, an absolute vat of, of gravy. So please have faith in you, have confidence in you and switch to using that every time you want gravy. This is Gluten-Free Angela and I will share another gluten-free recipe with you one day. But gluten-free recipe done my way. Try it. You're going to love it. You take care. See you next time. Bye.